And I'm finding that I'm much more intentional about saying, I gotta go get outside. I have to go do things that are for me. And guess what? I'm enabled and I'm empowered. I just came back from a month in Colorado where we were skiing and I didn't have to hide it from my company. Zillow Group knows a thing or two about homes, and during the past two years, the Seattle-based company has emerged as a leader in enabling its own employees to work from theirs, or really from anywhere else they want. As companies including Microsoft and Expedia make the transition back to the office, in some cases expecting employees to spend about half their time working in person at least, Zillow Group has already been through its own transition to a completely flexible approach to work. So how's it going? I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, and this week I caught up with a Zillow executive who is not only overseeing the company's flexible work experience, but living the ups and downs firsthand. My name is Megan Reibstein, and I am the Vice President of Product Management and Flexible Work at Zillow. What do you do? Tell us about your job. What do I do? I mean, I, I have a blended role. Um, I, I have a background in product management and consumer-facing product management, um, but I've been in the people and culture space for some years now. And so I really work in this sort of space, the sweet spot of organizational operations. And now there's a bend towards, you know, what are we building for customers and how are we doing that? But for the last couple of years and, and continuing on into the future, given the way things have gone, I am kind of at the helm of all things flexible work at Zillow, which has meant different things at different times throughout the journey of the last two years. In the beginning, it was very focused on just understanding our employees and surveying and like figuring out, is this something we might want to do? So there was like a lot of sentiment and, and, and analytics components. Then there was a lot of foundational stuff, policies and like core HR things, but, but Zillow really approached it in a different way, working with the whole leadership team and executive team and that looked at every facet of work and how would flexible work change that. And this was this was a year and a half ago in some cases now or a year ago. So it's old news at this point. But gosh, we have to we have to embrace this in our policies. We have to build programming for this. We have to change our compensation structure. We got to get ready because our people really like this. And so we have this team of folks that work on things now that include gatherings and how will we come together? You know, we're not doing it day to day in the same way. And what are our norms going forward? And how do we kind of like reset culture in this new world? And what does our workplace look like? And how does that keep evolving? And that was a big focus last year. So that's a long-winded answer, but it's kind of all things flexible work and really committing to how do we make this work for our people? Let's start with just a couple of terms so we're on the same page. What's the difference in your mind between flexible and hybrid work? Ooh, hot, hot topic, Todd. Um, <laughs> you know, I think hybrid was a, was an easy go-to because it represented this like in-between state. We purposely moved away from that language and, and went to flexible. And I think part of that is because hybrid is kind of faux flexible in our minds. I don't think there's any one definition of this. Ours is just another opinion in all of this. But our perspective was that Hybrid represents this sort of old school way of thinking about it, where you got to be in sometimes and you can be out sometimes. Flexible is just meant to represent, this is about what you need as an employee. And we are going to build a culture that is flexible for your needs. And those needs during the pandemic had a lot to do with caretaking and different things than they might mean over time. 
But the difference for us is this, there's no expectation that three days a week you're in the office. This is like, I moved, I moved across the country and so did so many people. This is really an enabling of like, hey, we're going to enable you to fly when it makes sense sense to come together. For us, it's flexibility just represents so much more about sort of the, the employee need and all the variants of that that I think hybrid sort of loses. So let's talk about a little bit of the nitty gritty. I understand that there's this practice at Zillow now called core collaboration hours. What are those? How does it work? And and why do you do that? Yeah, core collaboration hours sort of by definition are these hours from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So for me, 1, 1 to 5 Eastern that are really serving both as an acknowledgement that we shouldn't be working all the time and that we're in different, you know, Zillow is a uh, domestic company, so we don't have sort of global employees, but we do have, you know, multiple time zones. And so it's also a recognition that we've got people in different places and we want to be respectful of their home lives and their their schedules. It's also an experiment in learning and, and putting out these things that are norms, but they're not mandates and inviting people to participate in new ways of working. And we certainly don't have the code cracked. We have a lot more of that experimentation ahead. But core collaboration hours were this kind of first line we drew in the sand early on. We, we put these in place in um, February of 2021. So a year now, we're tracking the metrics and watching how do meetings change. And the idea is that all of your group meetings are happening during those core collaboration hours. And that the rest of the time is for one-on-ones or asynchronous work. And it doesn't work out perfectly. We've got things happening outside of those hours but, but the spirit of it was to empower people to take ownership of their schedule and to try different ways of working and to put out the message that asynchronous is a really important method of working. And we need to save space for that so it's not just bleeding into our evenings and weekends. What is the biggest challenge that the company has encountered or that you're hearing from employees in terms of working remotely almost entirely on a near permanent or actual permanent basis now? Well, people are energized to gather and that's, you know, a byproduct of we haven't been able to do that even in our personal lives for a long time. So we are seeing the energy around what we're this thing we, we introduced called a Z retreat, like people coming back together and these informal gatherings of people saying, hey, why don't we meet in the office for a day? But we're not seeing them go back to nine to five. In fact, we're not seeing people come in, you know, regularly, like we're seeing this really intentional I want to meet this person in person for the first time, or I want to hash out this problem. And so figuring out the right way to do that is an interesting challenge. We took a risk early on and worked with NBBJ, a, you know, a Seattle-based firm, and renovated our office spaces. And we did a bunch of focus groups, and we sort of anticipated these challenges will come. And so how do we change the space to get ready for new ways of working and this less frequent but more impactful type of gathering? So our spaces look really different. And then now we're working on, okay, well you know, when you come together, what happens? What do you do in those? And like, there's lots of micro challenges within that, I think, to figure out what are the right use cases. And then there's this whole notion of the hybrid meeting. And we have adopted this thing called One Zoom, All Zoom, Ozaz, kind of a silly name, but the spirit of like, let's not go back to a two class system. And now we're starting to, you know, work around the edges of that and find the nuance in the gray area and say, okay, well, If just one person is joining the meeting externally and they don't want to travel, I was one of these people recently, is there a way you can set up an equitable experience with intention around 
you know, having a, a Zoom champion in the room, a virtual champion in the room. And so there's lots of micro challenges in this space of what does gathering look like in the future and how do we do it really well and make it really meaningful. But I would also add that like, we haven't had a ton of challenges. We've been really transparent. We made our decisions based on what employees were asking for. We've stuck to our commitments and we are encouraging people through both benefits around mental health and personal well-being and this flexible, you know, whether it's location or time, you do you. And you know, there's a lot that people like about that. Coming up next, Megan Reibstein's own experience with the ups and downs of flexible work. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. You embody this. You moved from Seattle to Asheville, North Carolina. You lived two doors down from your brother's family, three doors down from your mom. Tell us about that because there are folks out there, I hate to say it, who might not see that as a perk. <laughs> well, there were times when I didn't think it was either. And the good news is I got to choose that. You know, nobody forced me into it. And we've got employees at Zillow choosing all sorts of different adventures, many of which are not moving next to their parents. Um, and so, you know, for me, that was the right move after working in the corporate world and having to be in these big cities to be able to say, gosh, I'm going to take advantage of this and, and really embrace it and learn from it. And for me, it's been twofold. Part of it's been I want to put myself in the shoes of my customer. I won't say that was my primary motivator. It was a secondary motivator, but it's an important one. I want to understand what this feels like. I want to know what the FOMO feels like. I want to know if I stop moving. Like, And certainly that's different for everyone, but I, I was able to get some perspective and I, I continue to get perspective from that. Um, but then also for me, because I hadn't been able to be close and I lost a father along the way and like all these things happened, it was like, for me, that's what I need right now. And I'm not looking for jobs. I'm pretty happy at Zillow because I love that they enabled me to do that. You know, and I hope lots of other people feel that way. And so I think that story looks different for so many people. But to have the freedom to do that without without having to, I mean, you couldn't even do it before. But I don't have to hide it. I don't have to feel shameful. In fact, I get to embrace that sometimes my niece and nephew run through the background we get their stuffies that we make them leave at our house to incent them to come over here, you know? Obviously, this is to Zillow's advantage in many respects to point out that it offers this kind of flexibility. There's been a variety of surveys out, especially on diversity, equity, and inclusion, showing that women and people of color, in many cases, are reluctant to go back to the office for a variety of reasons, including microaggressions that they might face in the time in between meetings. So I could see where this might be a selling point. Are you hearing from Zillow's recruiters that this is making a difference in terms of the offers they're making? We're not only hearing from the recruiters, but we're hearing from the applicant numbers themselves. And so, you know, we started with this premise of this will allow us to recruit from anywhere. And it has. And we went from 29, 31 states pre-pandemic to 49 states. You know, we started there and then I think we had this notion that people would be interested in it. And so we took a 
we took a firm stance early on and said, we're committed, we're in. So if that's of interest to you, let us know. And our population of women applying jumped nearly 50% and our overall applications skyrocketed <laughs> um, and the, the number of jobs available wasn't skyrocketing at the same time. So there started to become this data that was like, whoa, people are reaching out to us. They've gotten the message and they're interested. You know, now we're learning different kinds of things like, um, you know, there's still a desire for some in-person time. And so how do we bring that programming to life? And there's going to be continued learnings, but I think the overwhelming message is employees like this and they're interested in it and they will move jobs to get it. What are Zillow's policies and practices related to compensation for workers who move to less costly markets? Um, sure. And, and I used to run this program, so I'm pretty intimately familiar. We took a stance very early on and said, okay, it's it's a lot to change a compensation philosophy and program at a big tech company, but we are committed to enabling people to move. And so very early on in the pandemic, I think, you know, by July-ish timeframe, we started to, to let people know you can move without penalty. And that was that first action we took. And we started to also name intentions about like, we want to empower, this is not about cost savings. This is about empowering our people to live better lives. And, you know, there, there's an output that they may be more productive from that, or, you know, hopefully in all ways, we said, we're going to get to work on evolving the compensation program to match flexible work. And so we did that. And we formally announced our new policies and, and philosophy around compensation. And so we stuck with the original spirit, which is not penalizing people for moving. And we went from a very sort of city-based approach to a, um, a nearly a national approach. Um, there's a little bit of a, a wiggle room in that. Um, and so it's really sort of a two-zone type approach. But the spirit of it was you are, are going to be compensated for your performance, your scope of work, and these, these things that you do, not where you choose to live. And that was a bold decision for Zillow. And I think there were probably many employees along the way that wondered if we'd actually do it. Well, we actually did it. It hasn't been earth shattering for us. It's enabled people to feel safe that they can move and still do the same work that they were doing before and not be penalized for that. And it's, an, it's also enabled us to continue this hiring around the country and have a message that says we pay based on what you do, you know, what you provide for our customers um, and the company. And again, not where you choose to live. So what does this mean for work-life balance and how will all of this shake out in the long term in the tech industry? That's coming up next. Tell us about this survey that Zillow commissioned. I understand that this was a survey of remote workers across the United States last year, not just Zillow employees. And it looked at how workers were spending the time that they were saving, not commuting in part. What did you find? Sure. And first I'll address, we do a lot of surveying internally, but then Zillow has a whole research arm and, you know, thinks about cities and movement and, and, you know, we're, we're in this home journey business. And so that kind of research has been going on, you know, for years, and you'd have to get a better answer from our research team on sort of all the different things that they do. This is just one flavor of it. But you know, that gets at like, what, what, how will people change behavior? And, and what is going on? And there's this work from home thing has like really interesting synergies with, you know, the things we do day to day in our business. But what did we learn? We learned that employees like flexibility, people like it, and they want it. And 
you know, I think the, the main premise and the main takeaway of that one was just this, like, what do you do with your extra time? You're not commuting. And so what happens? And this was, I spend more time with family and friends. I'm cooking more. I'm exercising more. And even, even putting that post up on LinkedIn, I don't do a ton on LinkedIn, but just watching the engagement from Zillow employees and from some other companies as it's like, as the conversation's getting going, it's like, it changed my life. <laughs> so, this, you know, the survey doesn't go so far as to say that, but I think there is this theme that we like having more ownership over our time. And I mean, shocking, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting because as you said, a large number of respondents, about 74% said they're spending more time with family and friends. 65% are sleeping more, 64% are spending more time outside and spending time on hobbies. And I see actually on the bookshelf behind you, in addition to a leadership principles book, a landscaping book right there behind you. Yeah. At, how are you spending your time that you're not spending commuting? A lot of house renovation at the moment, both <laughs> external in terms of landscaping and internal. But behind me is an attic that we have self-renovated and below me in our kitchen, there is a an old brick floor being laid by my brother right now. So this weekend we spent a lot of time cleaning up dust and in my mornings, I'm doing a lot of that too. Mountain biking. I think one thing for me is like, I'm I less active in some ways now that I'm not going to the office. Sure. Because I used to run flights of stairs perpetually late for meetings. And so there was that component of the office that kind of had me moving all the time. Well, now underneath me, I have a different kind of mat and it gets, it actually makes me move. It's got little pebbles in it. Um, and I'm finding that I'm much more intentional about saying, I got to go get outside. You know, I got to go, I, I have to go do things that are for me. And guess what? I'm enabled and I'm empowered. I just came back from a month in Colorado where we were skiing and I didn't have to hide it from my company. I got to be very proud that some afternoons at two o'clock, I checked out and I got a couple hours on the hill. So, you know, there's all these different ways. And I would say I'm also still learning because even two years in, I'm like, do I really have this much flexibility? And so I'm also very excited about what comes with that flexibility as we get more accustomed to it and we learn from each other about what do you do with that time, you know? So we're having the decline now of uh, the latest COVID variant and Microsoft and others are implementing their hybrid work strategy and expecting employees to be back in the office around 50% of the time in some cases. Here you have Zillow with its cloud HQ. As you look out years ahead, do you think that we'll have two different models of working? One where employees at some companies are expected to be in the office and another where employees at places like Zillow are completely flexible? Or do you see this evolving over time to where there's more commonality across various companies in terms of their remote versus flexible versus hybrid work policies? Well, I'm so curious to see what other companies do. I, I don't know, though. What I can say is Zillow is not transitioning. <laughs> uh, we transitioned a long time ago. We made a commitment very early on in the pandemic we have stuck with it. Are we learning and evolving all the time? Absolutely, because this is an entirely different way of working and there's so much more technology to come and um, so many problems like the sort of hybrid meeting problem that are yet to be solved in ways that I think they will be over time. Um, so I don't know. I hope so for the sake of employees that there's a lot more choice. Um, this, this, you know, we talk about this 
at large, this market, and it's sort of a, it's an employee market, right? And there's, there's, um, I know markets go up and down and change tides, but I hope we never lose that momentum that employees have gained during this period of sort of naming what they need and reframing where work fits in their lives. That feels really healthy. So I know that in the beginning of the pandemic, when we announced certain things and we committed, there was like chatter, like, whoa, what are they doing? Why did you go? You know, we got, I got questions at that time. Why are you committing now? Why not wait and see? Other people are waiting and seeing. We're not. And, and even in the midst of shutting down a business in the fall, which we did and which was hard, our employee responses on ability to achieve work-life balance went up 80% of employees. So there are these signals that we're onto something and we invite everyone to come along with us on this journey and embrace flexibility and enable that for people. But whether they do or don't, we're carrying on. Megan, thank you very much for talking with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great to be here. Megan Reibstein is Vice President of Product Management and Flexible Work at Zillow. See the show notes for related links and information. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. Thanks for listening. We'll be back this weekend with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.